Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. This is Umar Hamid, your host, and welcome to the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategies, and advice on how to make you better, stronger, faster. Get ready for another episode. Today, I'm privileged to have Joel Harrison, musician, artist, creator, sitting down with me. Joel, welcome to the program. Thanks, Umar. So you had your CD release party last night. I went to it. It's, the CD is Angel Band, Free Country, Volume 3. Correct. This is uh, CD number 1920? Yeah, I've lost track, which is a good thing. Tell me about the transition, because I met you a gazillion years ago in the days of Shambhala. It was more of a, a pop kind of, I'm not sure pop's the right word, but popular music. Yes, dance music. Dance like music. African R&B, yeah. Very cool. So tell me, why stick with this art form? Because, you know, it's brilliant in the movies, but living it day to day and creating bringing your soul out, letting other people share it, and some people embrace it and some people don't. Why continue on the journey? Like, what's the passion for you? Well, the music I make now is more jazz-oriented, mm -hmm. which is non-commercial music by any metric. And so as compared to what I was doing when we met, it's even further uh, along that path of um, creative music that's outside of what most people listen to. And I love the jazz tradition. I love the idea of improvising. And I've always been one to embrace that culture, the African-American jazz history, and then everything that it's become today. And why do I stick with it? Mm -hmm. It's a very deep question. And... I'm going to try to articulate it as simply as I can because I don't really think there is a simple answer. That is that I, I feel like an art artist is born and made, but certainly born because you come into the world somehow with a sense of mission. That right. The only way that you can express your view of the world is through art. That that is a more true thing than daily life that in other words your perception of what's real right is your art and so when you have that sense of mission and i say mission because it really is kind of a priesthood because you have to stick with it um despite all uncertainty economic and and, and the rest uh the reason that you stick with it is is sometimes unconscious and and sometimes purely uh for the type of love that might be the same type of thing that attracts you to another human being joel one of the things you said was that you know uh, art is a maybe a truer representation of what's going on inside yeah so let me give you a data point then i'll ask the question scientists cannot see black holes but they can see light bend around it. And so that gives them a, a true representation of what's out there. What about the artistic expression do you think 
brings the truth out as opposed to other endeavors, like building a business or a family, because they're also representations, but art somehow has a purer connection. What do you think that is? I don't think that it's necessarily more pure. Mm-hmm. That, that's a, that would be difficult to argue. I think that um, in the physical world, yes. building a business is full of the same type of challenges and um, insights that the artist world is because you can be an artist and build a business. You can be a businessman and be an artist. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't think everybody looks at it that way, but I think the most creative ones do. So we all have a different canvas. Yeah, but uh, art has a way of penetrating in deep into the emotions in the spiritual world, which I think is not always involved with creating a business. So last night I was talking to your uh, bass player. Uh, what was it? Remind me his name? Jerome. Jerome. And the question I was asking was, when you have someone that's dancing, you can get two dancers dancing, and one dancer is somehow tapping into the emotion of what they're experiencing, and that reflects out into what they create in the world. And because there's a true connection between what they're feeling and what they're expressing, that connects with other human beings. But when you're playing uh, an instrument, how much does emotion play uh, have an impact? Can emotion come through the instrument, or does it basically uh, attenuate emotions? I think it depends on the performer. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that we all have the experience of listening to certain performers and having them perhaps move us to tears because of their transparency and, and ability to connect to the the deeper world of, of feeling. So as speaking for myself, I know that when I'm relaxed and tuned in and just acting as a channel of something bigger than right. myself, then I can feel something um, bigger than myself coming through me. So at that moment, uh, can you think of a specific time that happened to you when you were on stage performing for yourself or for an audience? So think about a specific time when you have that memory, let me know. Sure. So go back to that moment, and I want you to see what you saw back then, see the audience where you were, hear what have you heard. Are you uh, an observer watching this? almost like an out-of-body experience watching this happen, or are you deeply within? Like, what's the experience like versus just playing? Well, good question. There's a, um, there's a grid. Sometimes you're a, a little bit outside yourself, mm-hmm. and you're feeling, wow, I'm, I'm a little bit tapped in here. Right. And you're aware of it. Some, sometimes, very rarely, you're utterly lost in it, and you really become one with the music. And, of course, those moments are a treasure and uh, can compel you to keep going for five more years even when you were ready to give up once so it you sounds feel like a like, golfer one good stroke and you're in <laughs> well it's almost like a, a mystical experience when nice. that happens but that's a that's very rare it's more that you you just feel it a, for me you feel it a little bit or maybe a little more or not at all so <laughs> You're I was, just kind of struggling with the instrument and just trying to make things happen. I was uh, listening to this interview with a really famous author. I don't remember who. It was a thriller writer. And he was talking to uh, 
another writer, and he was saying, you know, when I get stuck, what I do is I pick up a Robert Ludlum book, anyone, just start reading it. And just, it inspires me to figure out how to get unstuck in the writing place that I'm at. What do Mm. I do with my hero here? As a musician that's creating, how important is it for you to continually feed yourself this uh, language of music from other performers that informs what you do, inspires you? Like, a lot of writers read a lot. Mm. Is it the the same for you when it comes to music? I do listen a lot. It's hugely important. All my life, I've listened to every different kind of music. And sometimes when you're stuck on a piece, it's the same thing. You might put it aside and be listening to something else and go, oh my God, there's my answer. So uh, I think for all of us, that that type of creative feedback from the world at large Mm -hmm. is is critical. There are also times when you have to shut it out and not listen to anything so that you don't get unduly influenced. And many writers will say that while they're working on a novel, for instance, there might be a time period where they just can't read anything else other than, for instance, non uh, the news non-fiction. or something, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, so this uh, podcast is about uh, the human experience, primarily in sales and leadership. The reason I wanted to have this conversation is uh, you taught me a valuable lesson probably about 25 years ago. And this was, by the way, Joel's my brother-in-law. So when we first moved to the U.S., we lived with you for about a month. And I heard you practice and rehearse every day. And it was like, okay, what's the big deal? So musically, I'm challenged. But I heard a difference in your performances that were live. Mm-hmm. That this rehearsal led you to uh, improve what you were doing. Yeah. So talk to me about how important rehearsal is. And, and sticking with this career that you've chosen without superstardom, but to keep on going, that tenacity is a critical element of success. And a lot of bands are overnight successes that'll tell you it was 15 years of playing in the worst bars. So talk to me about your relationship with rehearsing and the tenacity and how you'd recommend other artists as well as business people just stick with it, keep on going. Yeah, I I think this is true across the spectrum for anybody trying to actualize a vision in life Mm -hmm. and starting a business is certainly that that if you're sure of what you want and i was and i felt that i had lost a little bit of time in my younger years that i needed to make up for so i was particularly driven at the time we met then you need to set a regimen for yourself you need to stay incredibly focused disciplined disciplined i think you sometimes need a mentor mm-hmm. and at least in the arts you you might need teachers at various yeah. times yeah and there's really no rest even when you're not doing it you're thinking about it and this this period might last a few years or it might last 20 years but um it's a sense of obsession that can even border on the unhealthy for for people and i think when it's working well it means that all the parts of you are firing towards this one goal and in a sense you're a little bit blinded in a good way by the possibility of failure so can you give me uh, a particular moment in time for you where things aren't working out as well as they could 
Because, you know, sometimes when you do an, uh, a, a performance, there could be 100 people in the room, and at other times there could be more people in the band than the audience. Can you tell me about one of those times uh, where you were like, what the frick am I doing? Like one of those, I should give up if I was a sane person. Did you ever have one of those? Or did you have one of those where you kind of talked yourself out of it? Where it's like one of those... I, well, I have to laugh because I think most artists, except those who are, have attained some sort of stardom, will say this happens every other day. Many writers will, will be tearing their hair out in the middle of, of a book. And musicians, because we have to practice every day to kind of keep keep up and get better, we were just so often feeling like, I'm terrible, or right. this is just pointless, or why you have this, this sometimes agonizing and sometimes humorous conversation with yourself all the time, but you learn not to take it too seriously. So I guess what I'm looking for is, what's your strategy for transcending those moments? So somebody else in another discipline would go, okay, uh, here are the three steps I need to do in whatever profession I've got just to keep going. Like, what's your strategy? Can you articulate that? I think this has to do with monitoring your own mindset and your emotions. So when you have these moments, you you just kind of let them slip away Mm -hmm. and you go, I see the bigger picture and I'm not going to take this part of myself too seriously. Number one, number two, I, if I'm feeling that I'm, um, drifting or working on something and not getting it, then this, this more negative mindset is going to compel me to just work harder and be more focused rather than drag me backwards. So you use that negative kind of stuff as the fuel to move forward? On my good days, yes. Yeah. <laughs> we all have bad days, but but then we just, as an artist, you just set the instrument down or or, or you set the, the pen down and you go, enough, I'm not going to do this anymore today. I'm just going to let it go. And maybe... Um, depending on your craft you you take two or three weeks off on a on on a particular in a particular year or so but generally um this is more um akin to say a a buddhist meditator Mm -hmm. where you have your practice and you show up to your practice every day you have to you don't always want to but um you you realize that this isn't about necessarily those momentary feelings of weakness or lack of discipline or laziness. It's about just showing up and you do it. And when it's done, you always feel better. Brilliant. In the business you're in, it is a business. So uh, I'm holding a CD in my hand right now. So talk to me about the relationship between art and commerce. Like, what is that like for you? Well, I have a peculiar relationship to it because the music I do is is non non commercial, right? Um, jazz sales nationwide are smaller than any other kind of music, including classical music. So <clears throat> I sort of do what I do in spite of the lack of commerce. And of course, the music business has gotten worse and worse since I was a young man in terms of CD sales, etc. What many people do, including myself, is 
we do what we're passionate about, make our own music, but we also look for other income streams. Film scores are lucrative. Teaching. And so one of your films that you did a score for uh, went to the Oscars, right? Yeah. Tell me about that. Uh, it was pretty comical, actually, me being at the Oscars, because uh, I was definitely kind of a fish out of water. Um, but I would say that... Uh, and what was the movie? Oh, it was called Traffic Stop. You know, I, I looked at it all as a kind of a comedy show that I was attending and I got to have a good laugh at um, and seeing Jimmy Kimmel was, was hilarious and I don't really take stuff like that seriously mm -hmm. I guess because I've, I've spent so many years outside of that commercial framework that um, I just don't even if that m movie had won I would have felt like an imposter um, <laughs> in that setting and so I, I just looked at it as a delightful um, excursion into another world of, of fame and, and riches that was um, nice to visit, but I'll never live there. So you've done some collaborations with some uh, prominent people? A couple, yeah. So tell me what that experience is like when you've got people coming in that are very talented. How do you collaborate? How do you create something that's larger than the sum of the parts? Hmm. I think for all of us creating as a team, which is what you're asking, yeah, is some sort of mixture of driving forward with your own vision and giving up your ego and realizing that you you don't have all the answers and and you need this person to fill in uh, your weak spots. Right. And I think that's a great thing when it can happen. You notice that a lot of the greatest uh, songs of our era, or many of them, were written by two people, songwriting teams. Right. Lennon and McCartney s seem to fill each other's uh, weak spots with their strengths and create something that was better than the, the sum of the parts. Um, and when that can happen in art, or business, I think it can be extremely powerful. However, often people's lives, Apple being a great example, uh, the great businesses are driven by one powerful individual who is so, you, you might say, monomaniacal mm -hmm. that, that they must have their vision met. Along the way, they're probably gonna have to learn to work with others and I, th I see that as a lifelong process. Brilliant. Before we part company today, what's next on the horizon for you? I've got a, a new movie that I worked on coming out on HBO called uh, Say Her Name, The Life and Death of Sandra Bland. I've got a, uh, a big band recording I'm going to be doing and for jazz big band. And um, I'm trying to finish a book, which has something to do with the creative process, the theme of the book. So, Working title? My Beautiful Enemies. That is brilliant. Thanks, Joel. Thank you, Umar. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 